thank you to three awesome Bitcoin companies for supporting this show. The first is CoinKite. You know them, you love them. The makers of the gold standard Bitcoin hardware wallet, the cold card. Uh, excellent product, amazing company. The Bitcoin ethos permeates everything they do. And they have a bunch of other awesome stuff for protecting your Bitcoin and also just expressing your interest and love for Bitcoin in different areas of your life. So many of you will be familiar with the cold card, but of course, there's also open dimes for physically transacting Bitcoin. The Block Clock Mini, which displays sats per dollar, current block height, uh, current USD Bitcoin exchange rate, and lots of other fun stuff in their store. So check them out at coinkite.com. And if you're in Canada and you're looking to buy some Bitcoin, go to bullbitcoin.com. This is a place to do it. They're a non-custodial exchange. You send them your money, they buy Bitcoin, and they send it directly to your cold storage. So they don't hold on to it for you. They make sure that you are custodying your Bitcoin, not your keys, not your coins. If that is a daunting proposition for you, they've recently launched bitcoinsupport.com. So basically this is a service in which they hold your hand and help you get set up properly for taking custody of your Bitcoin. So all the different things, the hardware wallets and the protocols and the coin control and all the different best practices for making sure that you're set up securely and as privately as possible with your Bitcoin and that you are in control of it, that's what this service is for. Now, a lot of you may have already gone down the route of custodying your Bitcoin. So what I'm really excited about for this service is being able to send all the people that ask me questions about taking custody of their Bitcoin, which I don't have time to properly answer or hold their hand with, I can now send them to this service, which is awesome. So bitcoinsupport.com. And lastly, the Bitcoin 2022 conference. Uh, this is where Bitcoiners come together to celebrate Bitcoin, to meet each other, to talk about all these ideas, which we often uh, talk about on podcasts and read in articles and that kind of stuff. And it's an incredible experience. I developed you know, a ton of amazing friendships that I now include amongst my best friendships just over the course of a couple days uh, last June for the Bitcoin 2021 conference. This one's going to be much bigger. It's going to be on Miami Beach. It's going to be sexy. It's going to be fun. I can't wait to go. So if you'd like to go, use the code RAPIDFIRE at checkout and get yourself 10% off. We use this example in a discussion we had, but it's like, if your butcher gave you rubber instead of a steak one day, you'd literally never go back. You'd be like, I can't trust you anymore. You, you tried to scam me by giving me rubber instead of steak. But the government and big business and the media can lie to you over and over and over and over and over again and be caught in the lie and be fined and be this and that and all that jazz. And it does not affect even a shred your willingness to trust in them. What's up with that? Yeah, the best I can make of it is it it's not it, like it's a, a form of long-term abuse of Stockholm syndrome where like yeah. you 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 have to believe that this is the actual truth. And this is what I was talking to my mom because like, you know, my mom was being a liberal, she's super anxious and she always wants to like make things right and make people comfortable. And this is what I told her. I was, I was like, look, like I get this is really, really fucking dark. And it's super hard to look at it because how is it possible that a handful of people could release an ineffective vaccine that can severely and irreparably harm people globally? Like it's it's it just seems way too fucked up to engage with. Mm -hmm. And and I try to point out 
that's exactly why it's evil. Is it, there is no logical process to, to be applied to. It's just the banality of some fucking greedy pieces of shit that can't think for themselves decided that this was okay because everything else is criminal and corrupt and we blow up brown people and there's no responsibility so why the why should we care you know and it's uh it's really interesting because like i'm starting to really believe that uh like justice itself is an actual impossibility with the systematic structures that we have um now, like at the very end of that long essay of Walter Benjamin's that, that I really love, uh, the hold, critique hold on, of violence. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you go further, because I feel like we might be getting into some meat here and we, we're moving out of personal territory, which probably means that we should kick things off. So all right, all right, all right, all right. let this be the official start. And because justice is actually, I wasn't going to start with justice because I wanted to start where you left off last time, but I'd like to hear the remainder of your thought there. So go ahead. Do you want do you want to get get recording or or we're already recording I guess we are yeah yeah um so like the impossibility of justice in this world like I, there's there's a systematic structure in order to that's created in order to actually prevent this and it's really interesting because like all right guy gets caught like raping some girl like goes on trial is found guilty you know gets a death sentence people are like, well great like that's that's justice well no i in my opinion justice would be the immediate response of he's caught you just chop his head off um and this interlopes into some territory that uh is very tenuous and scary to me because like i i want to i want to make absolutely clear like nonviolence is the only radical vehicle that we have to actually change the systems and thankfully bitcoin and all this stuff is nonviolent. But us as individuals, we have to call attention to individuals that are corrupt, that are liars, that are abusing their power. And we need to figure out ways to actually not only withdraw the capacity of them to have any power over us, but to call real responsibility. And I think something that's super important that we forget is that like these motherfuckers have names and addresses and they like live in our community and participate with us. And what would mean more and, and the way that I think we deal with this is when you come across these corrupt assholes, it's being able to call them out, being like, oh, like, I know you, you're, you're Brian, you're the police officer that like beat up my wife at that protest. Hey, everybody, this is Brian. He's a piece of shit. He beat my wife up at a protest. Everybody come tell Brian what you think about him. And this is actually a tactic that was used by Opdor. And uh, there were the resistance group in Serbia in the late 90s against the, the Serbian regime. And what they started doing was when the cops would come out to beat them all up to protest, they would document who the cops were, what district they're in. And then they would literally go to the kids' schools and be like, hey, this is this is Jeff. It's Todd's dad. Je- Jeff was beating people up at the, the protest, you know, and like, well, how does everybody feel about that? Why don't we all tell, tell Todd so he can go home and tell his dad? Um, so I because it may seem we're coming at this from left field, let's put a temporary pin in justice, but like, I wanna come right back to it or at least back to it soon. But we finished off the last one with you saying that Bitcoin is about more than just money. It's about the commonwealth of what it means to be human. And that's quite a line to leave off on. So I was hoping that you could expound somewhat on that and we'll come back to uh, issues around justice and and stuff like that afterwards. Yeah, so I think one thing is is first we got to take into account uh, like the general history, the general history that has put us here, and that like we have the internet, that we have these totalitarian states that are very very powerful with 
militaries that, you know, are magnitudes beyond the powers of any other military before. What is the promise that cryptography delivers to us in all of this? And specifically, asymmetric cryptography and the ability for us to communicate and hide our identities, and now with Bitcoin to actually be able to hide wealth as well. In my opinion, this makes for a totally new form of, of actual commonwealth. What in, in one aspect in how we actually hold in common our actual value together. You know, my Bitcoin is worth the same as your Bitcoin and is as liquid and exchangeable as one another. And so holding that in common, but also the actual root word of commonwealth is res publica in Latin. And that actually means the public thing. And that was part of uh, the classic idea of what the state was, was that like it was the most public thing that there was. And when you take a step back and think about living in a globalized capitalist society, money actually is that most basic, common, public thing that we share. Like it is, it is the most base contract that there could possibly be. Uh, and so with what we're creating with Bitcoin as a renewal of this commonwealth, but it's global, it's open, it's for everyone, and we can all share it together. And the assurances of Bitcoin as, say, an institution that provides its promises, at least over the last 13 years, has presented itself to be immovable. Uh, and this is extremely important because if we are able to escape the lies of fiatism and the fundamental authoritarianism that's latent in every single state, we have to recreate a new form of commonwealth that, that inherently actually is a social contract at the very bottom. And Bitcoin is like the very first digital social contract that is about money. And so there's kind of these two layers that are immediately set on top of each other that, so essentially like Bitcoin, the network is the commonwealth that creates this sort of new collectivism. And then Bitcoin, the monetary unit, is like this extreme individualism that exists within that. Uh, and these the two things operating together, because we live in this technologically advanced, globalized, capitalist world, allows for us to make a new digital commonwealth that uh, essentially anybody can join from any walk of life with any means or modes necessary. And that, that's pretty radical because, you know, now my collective wealth is shared with people from China you know, Mumbai, Buenos Aires, anywhere. And that, and it's funny because I've always been really hesitant about touching on this topic. Um, but I actually think like one of these really interesting inversions that happens at the very bottom is uh, I actually think Bitcoin is a form uh, of like really radical and secret communism, but it's communism through an anarcho lens, which allows for it to actualize and manifest itself in like a completely different way from how we understand quote unquote communism. Because really what's happening is there's a synthesis between extreme capitalism and extreme communism in a high Gallian sense that like they destroy each other and they're creating something vastly different from anything we've seen before. Can you unpack a little bit uh, that comparison? Because like if you're saying like it's like communism but it's not at all like communism. like. Yeah, that's, that's like a pretty misleading statement. Uh, so what I'd say is that like the, when we talk about communism, like this idea of Karl Marx is about like we can collectivize everything. Uh, first of all, like the, 
I understand the term communism is extremely scary because the violence and totalitarianism and the absolute horrors that it initiated throughout the 20th century. But so historically, we need to understand that the, the communist movement, uh, it originally started as a synthesis of both anarchism and uh, communism, like as a single movement. And essentially what happened was uh, at the first international where the communist manifesto was declared, Marx wrote all of his shit out about it. Uh, that was the first kind of presentation of communism. At the second international, when they showed back up, the anarchist contingency led by Bakun, he essentially like confronted Marx and he was like, yo, what's all this bullshit about like hijacking the state and like using its violence for ourselves? And Marx was like, yeah, like that's, that's how we should fucking do it. And he was like, no, fuck you. Like the state is the first thing that we need to destroy before anything else. We can't create a communist society if the state exists. So that's where the split between anarchism and communism manifested itself. And now what I see Bitcoin as with uh, sort of being this, synth this synthesization between capitalism and communism happens through the collectivism that is Bitcoin, the, the collective network that we share and how it protects our property rights is a universal given thing that collectivizes our shared wealth. And this is, so that the rights that I have from the Bitcoin network are the exact same as your rights from the Bitcoin network. And furthermore, because of the way that we have to communicate through our private keys, that anonymizes us in such a way that it homogenizes everything. So there's this sort of collectivism to the wealth that is created through that. However, because of all the anonymized features that are baked directly into it and the pseudo-anonymity that can be used, those features also bring in all of the individualistic aspects of essentially capitalism and then utilizing the energy aspect of how Bitcoin is created, that introduces the market mechanism. So uh, in, in short, in my opinion, it allows for this new synthesization between aspects of capitalism and aspects of communism, kind of taking the best of both worlds, smashing them together and creating something radically indifferent and new that we haven't seen before. And I think it's extremely important because while it has many of these same features that we could call communistic, because it's deprived of this ability to identify people and frankly that, that the physicality of all of this is completely abrogated, it breaks the back of those fundamental mechanisms that have always been so terrifying when you get these collective apparatuses coming. And to me, that's also the messianic aspect of Bitcoin is that through breaking away from this physicality, there's a complete abrogation of violence that allows for the system to frankly be messianic because not only can it not be destroyed, but furthermore, uh, utilizing violence as a system to try to control it just won't work which is fundamentally different from like all other things we've ever encountered before. Yeah. I, I think it's one of those cases where I know what you're trying to say, but the language we need updated language, I guess. And that's part of the reason why we have these discussions to try to determine if there is like Commonwealth, I think is a, is a far more applicable language because like in a sense, I mean, we all share this earth, right? We all are, acting in relation to a certain amount of ca shared capital, let's say, and shared not in the fact that we all own it, but shared in the fact that it's what's guiding, directing, judging, and allocating all of our behaviors and resources. And then we vie as individuals uh, for, you know, 
places in the hierarchy for lack of a, you know, to, to broadly speaking. And so there's like, there's that commonwealth idea. And then there's the, you know, the sovereignty or the divinity or the wealth of the individual who seeks to engage that commonwealth to determine who and what becomes elevated in relation to it and to one another. So like, mm -hmm. a, you know, that's kind of when I, when you say something like it's kind of, paradoxically communism and capitalism I, that's what comes to my mind but as you were speaking one of the things i came to mind and i'd like to get your take on is i mean the the, the idea or the process of some of value flowing into something is really fascinating to me and you know like maybe we don't give it much thought in in day-to-day -day life but here we have something with the qualities of of bitcoin as you you know you've articulated here and then in, in the previous conversation. And all that's happening is that more people are valuing, are moving their value. And to your point about like a social contract, they're also moving their willingness to be bound to that value just over from one system to another, right? So over from that system that you were describing like of, of coercion and enforcement and all of that jazz, over to a system which is far more egalitarian, uh, far more individualistic, far less coercive, right? And like, really, I mean, there's nothing physically in the world happening. It's just be because of the, the attributes of these two mechanisms or systems, people are just shifting what they're willing to be bound by. The, like, let's say money is almost like something that I agree to allow you to use to direct my will at a certain, in certain amounts, you know, in, in certain relative amounts, right? So that's like part of the, the contract, right? It's like, I'll dig a hole if you pay me a hundred dollars, right? So you can, you can co-opt my will for a hundred dollars if what you want me to do is dig a hole, right? Like if you want me to climb a tree and put up a satellite, well, it's going to be a thousand bucks, you know, but at, this is, we kind of, it's a mechanism for allowing us to determine what I'm going to allow you to co-op my will for. And it, it's just fascinating that all that's really happening is that we're, we're making that mental shift into another mechanism or system that we just feel we, well, you know, let's, let's dig into this. The, the basic feeling is like, we feel better by having, we value the, the, the attributes of that system more, and we feel better about being bound to the, the attributes of that system more. But the question is, why? Or, or even like, even what do you make of that process? Like, what is it that causes you to just change your mentality around which contract you're going to be bound by effectively? That's a great question. Um, well, I think, again, taking history into context here, um, there's that great quote that like the best way to like keep people in control and power is to, like let them know there's no other solution. And like, that's what's been going on with money for so long is that most people, not only have they not thought about it, but they never thought that there was any possibility of optionality with it. So I think, first of all, is actually getting to the idea that you can have optionality. Uh, and this is, you know, and, and, and this conversion process, I think, is really important because, like, to me, this is part of the ontology of what's going on is that 
that shift from this fiat system into this new one is part of this process of uh, a true practice of actual self-care. And like when I say self-care, like I don't, I don't mean as an aesthetic form, but I mean a, as a true ethical praxis of saying, what is first and foremost the greatest thing I can do for the care of myself? And I think for most people, as you start to accrue this information, we go, okay, there's this fiat system where, uh, you know, like I have, there's probably tens of thousands of examples of the amount of lies, changes, abusiations, um, guile that is inherently baked into it. And then we have Bitcoin, this very simple system that's been running for only 13 years. But within that, it has maintained its order, uh, you know, re frankly, religiously. Like it, it, I think you and I both have a conviction along with anybody else who knows and understands the network that like, there's not gonna be more than 21 million coins and that, that that can't get produced. And furthermore, that like the continued energy usage is, is going to keep going up and to the right as we expect it to. So I think a lot of this is, is first understanding there's options and then like looking at the differences and kind of weighing them all out. And then realizing that like, oh, this system over here is a highly abusive one that lies to me and it's inconceivable to be able to actually get any base reading on it because it's always fluctuating and changing versus the system of Bitcoin that has permanence, that has truth, that uh, has consistency. Uh, and actually I started, got high and just started kind of writing something out yesterday about uh, the integrity of Bitcoin, of that. You know, this is a system that has the utmost integrity and transparency. And so once people start weighing all of these things, I think it becomes a, a pretty interesting and easy process to start applying Grumsham's law in the way that like Bitcoin becomes your savings. It is the ultimate thing that you want. And that's not to say that maybe you don't have fiat money or shit coins or other things, but Bitcoin is the, the fundamental savings vehicle. And that's the thing that you want to acquire and you know and understand it because of the assurances and power that it gives you. Um, and I think for all of us, the, the building of all the scaffolding of information to start understanding this and synthesizing, it's really important. And then that final conversion where you go, I'm ready put my wealth into Bitcoin and that this is my subjective choice. I actually think that the, this is an extremely important personal moment for individuals. It's like a, it's like a lightning strike after this long roll of thunder that like is the gathering of all of this information. Uh, so much so that like that lightning strike, I actually think like is uh, this recognition of the actual being of the essence of the world spirit itself. Because it's this sort of recognition and acknowledgement that as human beings, we can organize ourselves on a global level in a way that doesn't involve violence, which like that, in my opinion, is messianic. Well, let's dig into that then, because we've talked about this quite a bit. And, you know, I just wrote a piece about it, and it seems to be emerging a lot more in, in the discourse. Now, obviously, we self-select for the stuff we listen to. So, you know, there's a there's a bias there for sure, but um, can you put, um, before I give you my comments on that, can you put a bit more meat on that bone? Yeah, um, so a few things. One, I, as I will be extremely pedantic about, history again has to inform the path that we're in. And when we zoom out in the current world that we're in with the place that statism is in, the place that technology is in, 
it's extremely fucking dark and it doesn't seem to have an exit. Like we seem to be moving into a world where a global digital panopticon will be deployed that can identify everybody everywhere for all purposes for any reason. Uh, and that's terrifying. And without Bitcoin, the idea of resisting that seems utterly impossible. With Bitcoin, the potential to resist it presents itself. And now I think as that potential continues to present itself, as we're seeing in the world today, and with the way that Bitcoin is continuing to have an impact on the global political agenda, the key example being El Salvador adopting it as legal tender, this starts to accelerate things. And uh, there's a term in international relations that you use called brinkmanship, if you're familiar with it. And it's essentially the escalating of uh, dangerous scenarios in order to try to achieve a favorable outcome for yourself. And that's what the states are going to start doing towards Bitcoin. Is they're going to continue escalating to try to get a favorable outcome, either with shit coins or with centralized digital currencies. And again, as this escalates, Bitcoin will continue to push back how powerful it is and that it can't be co-opted. And that's going to actually force the state into an existential crisis with itself. And this is because of the state using the state of an emergency. And I have a great essay about this called uh, The Sovereign, the Subject in Crypto Power. Essentially, as the state declares a state of emergency, like what we're in today, it gives itself a right to label enemy combatants and to deprive them of any forms of legality. Again, this is probably where we're going with Bitcoin and Bitcoin owners, and that the state is going to try to attack them directly utilizing this. But as you and I both know, there are methodologies to be able to use the protocol in such a way that even if they do physically attack you and destroy you, that they can't get your wealth. To me, this is the part that's messianic because now when you attack and destroy somebody, instead of them capitulating and need to give all your wealth away, you can actually have a set of dead man keys that can get triggered that say, you know what, I'm actually going to give all of my money to, I mean, shit, for this example, we can say the PLO or, you know, uh, the Taliban or whoever the hell you want. Uh, and it's really important because that absconding with wealth um, and the recovery of it is something pretty unique in human history. Sure, people could go out into the forest and you know dump gold under a particular tree and tell somebody about it to go recover. But as we know from history, a lot of those get recovered, uh, you know, centuries later, and whomever was hiding those funds wasn't able to recover it. So I think that it's not so much about Bitcoin as much as it is about this global shilling point that utilizes cryptography and that can protect us in um, a totalizing capacity against the omnipotent power of the state. Yeah, it's, you know, I didn't do a great job articulating it a few minutes ago, but it, I guess it's because I'm still trying to comprehend the what Bitcoin's price signal, right? Let's say we price it in, in US dollars, what that's telling us, you know, and to the point of the messianic point, I mean, one of the reasons why I think that has a certain degree of resonance is because if we look at messiah characters throughout history, and I and perhaps there's several ways that that word can be interpreted, but oftentimes, um, you know, it's, it's a representation of some kind, a symbol, an anthropomorphized figure, a hero, that kind of thing, who has certain, uh, who by the power of certain principles is able to affect certain change and or who is even able to ascend to us to the highest value. And as a result, you know, uh, conquer, rectify, 
rejuvenate, revivify, whatever the circumstance or setting is. Um, or what's, um, and, and, and their presence is often apocalyptic in the term, in, in the interpretation of that word of being a, like a revealing, a revealing of something. And usually, as far as my inter interpretation is concerned, the two like main principles, and there are others and that you can tease out from their behaviors and all that jazz, but like the two main principles of that character just always seems to be truth and the, the sovereignty or freedom of the individual. And on the basis of invoking or using those two things or operate or, or interacting as with one another on those terms, that's how you bring about the revivication, revivication, the rejuvenation of whatever it is, the scenario or circumstance that's, that's playing out. And the degree to which you maximize on those two um, you know, qualities, let's say, you increase the, the power of the hero and the likelihood of, of the ability of the hero to generate a favorable outcome, something like that. And, you know, it, it, it's unavoidable in Bitcoin that when you, when you see it, when you study it, when you interact with it, I mean, it's very architecture and how, how we're able to interact with it seems to be predicated or have instantiated in them or seems to deliver the same two things. It uses an immutable, incorruptible form of truth, a verifiable truth, in order that people can establish greater sovereignty over the most concentrated form of their personal capital outside of their body, let's say, that there is, which is money, which is their money. And so in that sense, I mean, like it's a, I think that's part of the reason why there's so many relations to these two ideas, because they're both like the archetypal or the maximal representation of those two principles used in the world in order to bring about or foster a great change or, or a great rejuvenation. And so it's interesting to see the parallels, but it's also interesting to watch the revaluation play out, like to, to see people come to appreciate the value of those two primary principles and, and possibly others. And as a result of that, to make the determination that they'd rather be bound by and leverage and, 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 and embody those principles rather than, you know, whatever attributes or characteristics were contained in and the implicit agreements thereby in the former system or the former, you know, thing that they place the most value in right outside of their body, i.e. the form of money, let's say. And I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I don't know how to articulate how special that change in, in agreement and value is, but, you know, cause it's, it's obvious, like an easy way to say it is like, yeah, if people want to be, want to adopt a money that has less violence and coercion. And of course they don't want to be stolen from all this kind of stuff, but the act of doing that, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, kind of get in the middle of that process where people make that switch over, not just because it's practically better for them, or, you know, it is that too, obviously, but try to tease out exactly what's going on on there. And I think a lot of the reason why Bitcoin, a lot of religious, um, religious vocabulary gets put around Bitcoin uh, is because a very similar 
process is taking place to choosing or aligning yourself with certain fundamental or highest values or principles because of the good, both for you and the people you interact with delivers, you know? And so in, in both senses, it's a very, it's fundamental to, to uh, your systems evaluation and therefore the behaviors that stem from them. Something like that. I think you know what I'm trying to get at, but, you know. Yeah, like I, I would even go so far to say that uh, very few of us actually had true systems of value that we could concretely connect to anything before Bitcoin. And I think that's one of the reasons why Bitcoin seems to change us and allow for us to strive because it does represent all these things. And one of the other things I think is interesting is just the feelings of this system versus this system. Like this system of fiat feel like it feels abusive it feels corrosive it feels lying it feels confusing like the you know the 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 colors and feelings that come out of it are are dark and bad and hard right everything over here is like bright and happy and potential and great and and also and to me like this process of conversion like that's the most that's the most important thing and this is again where i get my saying not only the most important thing for them, but I think the most important thing in human history. And I get that that's a huge statement, but I very sincerely believe today, if, if people were to accept Bitcoin into their heart in the way that you and I have, and that we're to get that globally, the world is a radically fucking different place immediately. And it's not to say that it's an unrecognizable world, but things change in a very, very dramatic and radical way. Um, so much so that I think in the same way that uh, when we had the great renaissance that, you know, uh, ushered in a lot of these epic changes. And we saw from the 15th to the 17th century, these massive technological changes to across the board, you know, people, life seemed to have gotten better and uh, a higher fidelity than it had ever had before. I think that exact same process is going to happen again with Bitcoin. And that by the time we get to the 23rd century, uh, like the improvements to human life will be so radical and beyond what we conceived before that it'll seem almost impossible. And most of that, in my opinion, is going to come from the rising tide that Bitcoin creates by creating an actual, by renewing the classic liberal economic ideas of what Western culture represented and pushing that back out into the world. Because uh, I think the self-sovereignty of people's wealth and the ability to empower individuals like this not only is a spiritual conquest, but a, an, an economic one as well, insofar that uh, by everybody controlling their wealth and having their subjective opinions and ability to participate in the market, uh, having more substance and power than it did in a fiat system, that's going to create a lot more wealth than we ever thought was possible before. Um, and it's really, really important because, again, this conversion where we, we make the, the switch from being in a fiat system to a Bitcoin system, in my opinion, is the, the exact same switch of moving from the hatred and fear of the state and the punishment that they can incur upon you to making the subjective choice of loving yourself enough to utilize the system of Bitcoin that you know and understand will protect your wealth outside and beyond any powers that the state can give 
and also for me personally, this idea of loving my children and my ancestors enough to put their wealth in a mode that can't be evaporated or stolen. And it is to truly honor yourself in a form of self-respect that says, no, nobody can steal my wealth, my life force, the accrual of what I have done for myself for any reason. And that, that I truly believe is a messianic power because we've never encountered that in our world and being able to do that through technology and being able to extend that out into the future that we're going to have uh, is, is astounding and profound and powerful and loving, you know, and, and, and even talking with you about this, the thing that I want to hit on the most is it's not about the wealth. It's not about the money. It's not about uh, even the assurances. It's about the changes we have inside of ourselves when we can bond towards that and have the assurance and esteem to then confidently move forward and say, we will change the world using this. We will do it together and it will be done nonviolently. Like that's messianic to me. Yeah, I totally agree. But you know, it's so fascinating that because everything is relationship right? Like we're just constantly in relationship with all the different objects and ideas that we perceive, as you were saying about kind of the, you know, the darkness of, of the fiat world, right? Like when you think of it imagistically, <clears throat> it's dark, it's scary, it's damp, moist, you know, foggy, whatever, however you want to characterize it. And you think a bit about Bitcoin and it's colorful and it's smiling and it's, you know, light and it's all that kind of stuff. And it's like, isn't it, I mean, isn't it fascinating that our relationship to an object or even, I mean, this, this obviously, again, is why we wind up in religious territory so much, because it can be just a relationship to an idea, right? But the, the, the power and salience of an idea can fundamentally change who you are, can fundamentally change your behavior, can fundamentally change your view of the world and the future. Like, as you just articulated, like this, this thing is going to dramatically change so much about us and you know our cohort of early you know current and early bitcoiners are like the the primary or first exemplars of that and we're still trying to understand it and digest it and and all that jazz but like what what's going on there in your mind when an idea or a thing material or not is encountered that has that type of effect on the human psyche, on human consciousness and the behavior that stems from it? Um, well, I mean, the, this is truly about uh, a, a very radical form of thought that, you know, and, and, and I have a great essay about this, but like, I sincerely believe that Bitcoin as a form of thought, like is the most important thought that has ever been had. And that then Satoshi being able to present that and push that out in the world was a technique and a presentation of his art that was done in such a substantial and astounding way that like this became the most valuable object, uh, like the most valuable piece of art that has ever existed. And you could say the same thing about maybe the idea of God, um, because when we start to talk about these things, like, you know, isn't an idea, isn't an object. And I would actually go back to Aristotle and I would say that this is a wisa, which uh, the, that's the Greek term for substance. 
And I actually think Bitcoin is the very first substance that operates as a digital physical bridge. And that because of the way that there's this inherent energy that's tied up with every single unit of Bitcoin, we have this new substance that has bridged the gap and allows for us to reach into uh, the new sphere, the, the space of ideas that come from the mind. And so like being able to interact with this substance, if you will, and seeing what it has and how it can transport across the world and it can be protected from any physical violence, that opens us to a radical new possibility that was completely impossible before. And so the, if you start in the year 2010 and think about how we try to recover ourselves from the absolute terrorism and authoritarianism in the state, there isn't an exit. There's no idea. There's no conceptualization to be able to dislocate from that. But then Satoshi gives us Bitcoin and it becomes the shilling point of organization where we understand not only can we escape the horrors of statism, but we can actually disengage it and stop it. Um, and what, what's even cooler is that like, this is only the preliminary part, you know, like it's just the resistance, the, the, you know, once we have the nails in the coffin of the state and it's clear it's dying, like the next part is like, how do we produce this radical and beautiful world that, uh, is going to be really different from statism. Uh, and I don't think any of us have any idea what it looks like. But we see the potentiality there and the organizational process is possible and doing it through Bitcoin is possible. And so to me, again, this messianic idea is about unlocking a form of thought in its deepest purity from first principles that has us go, oh, as human beings in a world uh, completely divine, defined by status violence, we now have a capacity to intellectually and physically resist them in a way so dramatic and powerful that it can completely disengage their framework of violence um you know and and that's messianic blessed are the peacemakers and that's truly what it is like this is a methodology of peacemaking we can we can make it so that the idea of the you know the fiat wars that we saw throughout the 20th century and the absolute catastrophe it was we can at least push back against that with the power of the purse, which is so, so important because particularly in the West, we haven't had an encounter uh, with modernized warfare without fiat money. And I, I, so much to an extent that I don't think modern warfare is even possible with fiat, unless you have the ability to use fiat money in the senior itch that is inherent to the state. Yeah, you know, Interesting point there when you we talk about the introduction of brand new capacities, you know, and th this is effectively the role or influence of the evolution of technology, right? Like technology improves and then a new domain of capacity opens up and then there's the process of having our consciousness kind of flow into or invade that new capacity and determine what it means for our perception of the world you know and so technology is very much a a consciousness expanding uh you know enterprise but also phenomenon you know what what i think and and so any you know if we relate this to the psychedelic realm as, as we often do it's like that's another domain where the expansion of consciousness 
and we can get into or not get into, you know, what might be going on there. But for the sake of this, this particular point, uh, just for argument's sake, let's say an expansion, uh, an expansion, expansion of consciousness is actually occurring. Well, then what oftentimes you find that people also, after such a thing, fundamentally alter their perspective and therefore behavior that follows from it, right? Because like new domains, new possibilities, new areas for, the con for consciousness to flow into and inhabit and, and utilize have emerged. And so we touched on this a little bit in the, in the first talk, because we were talking about the relationship between the development of technology, be it, you know, stone tools or writing or what have you, to influence the development of consciousness. And here we now have, and as you were just saying, a very interesting point where we have a bridge now to, for, you know, we've always been interacting with the digital world, but it seems like our, we're, we're maybe bridging it more and more. And now we've bridged it maybe in a sense that gives it more stability and possibility than it ever had before. And so like, a simple point is if you if you now know that you can leave money to your great 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 grandkids like you can still have your will be executed a hundred years from now what does that do to your consciousness because now you're thinking about a a term in in, in terms of years the, the the relevance of your consciousness has just been extended right because now your will can actually be applied a hundred years from now where you know, for all intents and purposes, prior to that, it could not be right, because sure, you leave gold to whomever, but someone digs it up, someone steals it, someone does that. Now, you're able to, yeah, you're able to, with a high degree of confidence, express your will in multiple other domains of space and time. And so now that those, those domains are relevant to you, it, it, dramatic, I mean, it, it expands and impacts your consciousness. And I, you know, that's just one simple domain. Like if we were in the domain of, of the power of certain ideas, let's say the, the, the stability or the immutability of certain ideas, like truth and freedom, for example. I mean, now we're talking about some of the most powerful ideas that there are. Again, this is why they've been invoked so, so consistently in the religious domain. And now if, we, if, if those ideas have taken on a greater salience, because now they're actually more relevant, because now they're actually being used to uh, instantiate and foster certain things regarding our life and our time and our will in the here and now and into the, you know, the deepest futures that we've ever been able to conceive, well, naturally, that degree of expansion is going to cause a lot of you know, reframing and shuffling and, uh, of, of our consciousness and our behavior. So it's interesting how these technological developments greatly influence the evolution of our consciousness. And yeah, I mean, it, it certainly seems like with the advent of Bitcoin, at least that we've been given a gift, you know, cause as I said at the beginning of this rant, like everything is a relationship, right? So we could be, we could be very much oriented by the darkness of that fiat regime. And many have been, you and I included, right? Prior to Bitcoin, we, we got a lot of signals from that domain and they're not good signals. And they probably had a very negative effect on our lives and our moods and our mentalities and all that kind of stuff. And now with, with the advent of a technology that is built upon 
and imbued with such principles. Now we have a technology out in the world that has a magnetism, like we're, there's a gravity to it that um, wants you to establish a relationship with it. And it would seem that in that the qualities of it mean that that relationship is an extremely beneficial or healthy uh, or productive one. And, you know, and so the process continues where technology emerges, we develop a relationship to it. And based on its qualities, it expands or contracts to, to use fairly broad terms, our consciousness. And, and, and again, the perspectives and the behaviors that flow from it. And so, you know, of course, the reason why we're probably so uh, enthusiastic about Bitcoin is because not only for all of its practical and pragmatic, you know, uh, earthly uses, let's say, but because it seems to be such a dramatic innovation, uh, which establishes or helps to constitute such a dramatic improvement in, uh, yeah, improvement, expansion, exploration of of consciousness and, and as you said i think in our last one like what it means to be human like we're that's the very process that's unfolding if we accept that technology that technology has the technology definitely influences us right and it has the at least capacity or the possibility to cultivate in in relationship with us an ever greater an ever more expanded consciousness and whatever benefits might be derived from that and it seems like we've arrived at an innovation and a relationship to an innovation that ha is having like a, the, you know, like the, perhaps the biggest effect on our consciousness that any innovation has ever had and a, and a, a very positive one. And, you know, we, as you were saying just now, we can't really anticipate what the effect of that will be because it, it's, it's bringing us along. It, it's changing our spirit you know, our, our sense of space and, and time and possibility and perspective, it's kind of upgrading that more than we've ever had in like one go. And I think it's, it's really difficult to predict what the outcome of that will be, but it seems like it's positive and I hope we're right in that assessment. Yeah. I mean, um, I struggle to see any way that it's not positive. Uh, in addition to the fact that, uh, yeah, like conscious expanding is good. And I think one great way to do it is, uh, you know, you and I both know, like trying to describe a psychedelic experience to somebody who hasn't had a psychedelic experience is extremely difficult because there, mm -hmm. there are things that you experience, see and feel that not only don't have a linguistic capacity, but your mind literally cannot conceive of the possibility of how something like that could ever even work or function. So like you have to directly witness it and understand it to, to like have that consciousness expanding. And I think the same thing goes for trying to understand what exactly Bitcoin is and then having all the certain things set in place to have it click to understand like, oh, this is actually a very unique and different and profound thing that we haven't had before. And then taking all of that and connecting it to the total historic situation that we've uh, found ourselves in uh, I think it's not only is it difficult, but going through it is a, a very emotionally tumultuous process that, uh, 
I haven't heard of people noping out from it yet, but I've heard of a lot of people that uh, struggled a lot with it and that what's they no, had to come back. Noping out, man? Oh, just being like, this shit's crazy. I can't, uh-uh, like, no way. Um, I have to imagine that normies like hear Messianic Bitcoin and they're like, closing that article. Just like, can't, <laughs> can't read that shit. And I get it. And, and to me, again, this is a recovery from nihilism because like we we're born into a place where the state is God, that there is no point that we're supposed to do fiat. You do your nine to five, you go through the misery, drink yourself stupid, you know, all of it. And so when, when you know, us fucking weirdos show up, you know, we're like, hey, man, may I share with you the good news of Satoshi and, you know, how we they're, they're like, fuck you. Like, it, like magic Internet money isn't going to fucking save humanity from like, like, look at this. We're like drone bombing fucking brown children in Yemen. Like, and you, you think magic Internet money is going to save us? Like, fuck you. And I'm like, I absolutely understand it. It seems absurd. But then again, we live in a totally absurdist world, you know, where like, look at the fucking idiocy of people walking around in the middle of fields with masks on that shit. So like, if this is how retarded the world is, why the hell can't magic internet money be part of that? Um, and again, this is like that slapstick thing of like, God, be like, hey, check it out. Like, <laughs> we're going to be rescued from the totalitarian panopticon by magic internet money. Like, what? <laughs> <This is> fucking <laughs> crazy. <laughs> then you're like, who? Who made this? Well, we don't know. Some some internet person who's anonymous. And it's like, I, I love it. I, I think it's great. But I can totally get how normies come along and they're like, oh, this doesn't work for me. Which, like, on that note, too, I just got to say, like, uh, like, I always hated normal culture. And, and it, always, it always just rubbed me really wrong. Like, uh, like sporting event stuff like I just I never got it it just, it was like it was like this weird cultural thing that like I couldn't fit into uh and, and like it, it was just hard and like the whole thing was hard and like nobody ever wants to celebrate you or, or or encourage you to like go on your own weird marches um and so like whereas with Bitcoin there's just like this total opening where like I feel like uh we're at, like in some insane burning man party where like everybody's <laughs> celebrating like how weird and crazy other people can get and like it it's uh it's extraordinary you know and like i i it, it makes me feel so great that this confederacy of uh weirdos has like popped up that it all want to defend their same process and cause um and that like we know and identify each other pretty readily and quickly um yeah it's just it's like it's just so much fun and and so exciting and engaging versus like the world before i mean like even if i took like pre-bitcoin world and like thought about like the 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 greatest and the highest being that i could be like it pales in comparison to <laughs> what's going on here you know yeah obviously i share that sentiment one of the amazing things is i think part of the reason why there's that mentality and like there's many reasons but one is i think there is a genuine sense of of discovery or search or journey amongst us all and we realize like we don't know the proper method to explore or discover or engage this. So like, if you want to, if you got the balls to go and be weird and explore these like super odd ideas that otherwise would make you an outcast in here, I think there's at least a tolerance for it. If not like a, you know, an exuberant support of it because everyone has different perspectives and ideas and that kind of jazz, but, and, and there's a tolerance, but not a blind acceptance, right? Like, those ideas can and should be challenged to the utmost extent so that we can refine them to try to get to some 
the closest approximation of truth possible. But I just love how, you know, everyone's pretty much will, everyone recognizes how difficult this thing is to wrap your head around. So there's like a huge willingness to be like, hey, you know, let the tether out and, and, and get crazy. And we'll see if there's like, you know, if you can bring anything back from crazy land and we can integ integrate into our understanding here. And, you know, and, and, and I want to point out that only manifests with a group of people who love and respect each other as sovereign individuals who can be different and have different ideas. And then the deepest irony of what you also said is that then we engage in the deepest sincerity of the scientific method in order to do that. And it's just, it's super funny that here we are doing this over this thing. And meanwhile, like crazy fiat world, like obey the science, which means obey the scientist, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the, in a lot of these religious stories and stuff, when they talk about uh, the Messiah, the second coming, the apocalypse, all these ideas, it's very often couched in something that you're not going to notice, right? Which gives me an extra smile about all this stuff too. It's like often, or the, you know, or, or if we're in the realm of alchemy, like the thing of greatest value that's going to come and, and revivify and, and rejuvenate everything, you won't recognize it when it shows up, you know? And I feel like what's happening here is a pretty good example of that. But I want to go back to something I've been really not articulating well today, but it's this idea you know, we're talking about the shift in value from the fiat system to Bitcoin and uh, like what's happening in that process and the role of technology at serving to expand our consciousness, right? And just to kind of reiterate the point first, like if we were in a cave right now having this conversation, there's a whole, you know, world or universe of ideas that simply because they're not relevant to us, they don't emerge in our minds, right? There's no capacity to act on those ideas in any way. So they don't enter our mind, our, you know, we don't use physiological resources on them. They're just not available to us, right? Like we wouldn't be in the cave 40,000 years ago talking about storing our wealth for a hundred years on the internet, as an example, because that none of that exists, right? And so as technology incrementally or even exponentially grows, it expands the domain of our potential action. And as a result, because all action is imbued with relevance and meaning, it expands our world of meaning also. And I think that's part of what's happening with Bitcoin. Like people look at it and they assess it and they recognize that the qualities and characteristics and attributes that it has has now great and, and like the possibilities contained within them, though yet to be expressed, greatly expands the possibilities for action and interaction and therefore for relevance and meaning. And so the felt sense of that before it's perfectly comprehended and articulated is a tremendous felt, the meaning is almost is preceding the possibilities of the action, let's say. Right. So it's almost mm -hmm. like there's a there's a subconscious recognition of what of the tr like enormous novel. So new landscape of meaning that's just emerged or just been opened up. And we can't yet see all the different actions that will be possible in that realm. But there's a tremendous felt sense of meaning from from that expansion. And so in a sense, like when we if we take that as true and we look back on this transition that's happening, 
it is very much, and I explore this concept uh, a little bit in the piece, but it's very much people going from a far more limited realm of potential action and meaning and relevance, and they're shifting their orientation to one that's far more expansive, i.e. less limited. It's more liberated. And I, I do think like, you know, in, the, in all the study of, you know, religious uh, doctrines and traditions and spiritual things and experiences, mystical experiences and all that kind of stuff, I, like one of the one of the primary values seems to be expansion, you know, and maybe a mis the mystical experience is like expansion into the everything, right? Expansion until you, until there is no more limitation and you unite with everything and kind of the idea of the self dissolves and, and all that jazz. And I think on many different domains of action and existence and perspective, we, we seek to, uh, transcend limitation so that we're less limited vis-a-vis -vis our ideals or our goals, right? That's what we're always trying to do. Like we're trying to remove the impediments to the things we want. And I, it seems to be that, you know, it's fascinating to, to, to see or wonder that maybe this dramatic change that we're seeing uh, instilled in people is simply or rather not simply, but it is, is at least partially due to a subconscious or felt sense of a dramatic expansion of consciousness, meaning, and, the, and possibility. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's... You, yeah, that's like I, I think you hit it on the head. And I would say that process right here, like this is a transcendental moment of awakening where a human being recovers themselves from the nihilistic world that we were told exists, that there is no God, there is no purpose, there is no meaning, that the state is superior, that we have to deal with infinite war, that violence is an inherent part of human problem, and that we convert over to the understanding of the Bitcoin world and its possibilities, where all of those things can be disengaged and that a new world comes about and that it does expand our consciousness in, in a very radical way that again, I think is the same process that happens when somebody converts from being an atheist or agnostic to acknowledging that there is a higher power. And that is an, a truly transcendental moment of recognition of holy shit. People are good, that the state isn't all powerful, that there are meaning and purpose and truth to the world. Uh, and like, I don't think that can be understated in how powerful, important, uh, radical, transcendental, uh, and empowering it is. Because like, it, it's not, it's not just about like, I recognize this thing and the world gets better now. It's that that old world is eviscerated in terms of now there are new potentials that have been unlocked that make it so that all of this shit that seemed like it was impossible to get beyond. Now, not only is it possible to get beyond, but we have an actual tool and solution in order to do that. Uh, and the, the activation inside personally of knowing that there is a method and capacity to resist and change, uh, like to me, that's the most profound thing is to come into Bitcoin to get this stuff to recognize it and then to find that there's this whole 
community assembled of people that want the same thing, that are striving for the same thing, that uh, is extraordinary because you feel like you're participating, that you're part of something, that, that you have real friends, that you see something beyond the mass of statism. And uh, like, it, it, it's so profound and warming and deep and purposeful and meaningful. And, and like, I think for the same reason that you and me are here is that when you feel it, you just want to give yourself to it and give and give and give and to, to ask yourself to rise to the occasion, you know? And I think it just about my own writings and, and podcast appearance and stuff. And that so much of it has resulted from not just the positive feedback that I've gotten from people, but this real urge and desire that like, you, you know, in, in my mind, it's the same way that like, I, I want to go door to door like a Mormon trying to convert, people, you know, like, like, it is the same process. Like, I want to knock door to door and be like, hello, like, here, here's your card of 100 free Satoshis. Let us tell you about the glory and grandeur of our Lord and Savior Satoshi Nakamoto and how he connects the brethren of Jesus, you know, like, uh, and like, I think we'll get that too in like 20 years, because like, again, this is all super, super young. Uh, and what I wanted to point out what you said earlier about this idea of getting to reach out to a thousand years into the future and to like connect, you know, with your grandchildren, or whatever else. I just want to point out that the, the, that the classic societies had access to that, you know, and to think about, uh, you know, Brutus, who, who, who murdered Caesar, like he a chain of connection to his ancestors that led all the way back to the foundation of Rome, which was 408 generations. And so Br Brutus was held into an obligation from 408 generations before. Uh, like that's, that's madness, in my opinion. Um, no, in like a great way that like you could actually be connected to that. And that like he was connected to that vis-a-vis -vis the gods and the obligations that he was held to through the gods. So, and I only point that out because there are other societies that came before us that had the same sort of, of long-term thinking, low-time preference that allowed for their society to be created. And again, this is one of the problems that Bitcoin is going to recover us from, is that like we are in such a short-time preference society that like it has literally destroyed huge swaths of the planet, like endangered human... Like it's just done like all this super crazy fucked up shit that... Uh, it's like pretty funny when you like look at it directly, you're, you know, and and like in, including uh, like all these corrupt pharmaceutical assholes that are hurting people, you know, like uh, it, it, it's it, it's really amazing that, you know, like there are guys out there that are prescribing fentanyl left and right. And like there's never a thought that like people are going to kill themselves with it. And like they don't think that that's a, a problem or their responsibility. And so I think it's really important that, you know, all of this in the historic context that we're approaching it from, um, and again, this is why I also think it's cyanic, like all this shit lines up too easily, you know, like it, it like why the fuck did we get all of this in 2010, like right at the edge of the, the, implement, uh, the, the implementation of like the state panopticon, like what, it's just weird to me that we get all of this right now. Like, I, like, like we got it just in the fucking nick of time, you know? Cause like, even if Bitcoin was produced today, like too late, like not getting it out of the, out of the box. Um, yeah, and it, it, it's, it's wonderful. And, and like, I'm, I'm, again, like, I feel like I just started this really, really fucking good book. And like, I just finished the first chapter and like, 
you know, like we've only physically met with, with each other, like on, on one real occasion, same with so many others. And then to think like, what's going to happen like 20 years out, you know, and like, you know, my kid and Francis's kid are like good friends or some shit. And like, they're, they're called into an obligation to like do. A, and like, this is part of what I'm working on is like, I want to develop religious liturgy that like we give to our kids, or our grandkids or whoever else. So that like, essentially like I die they get some notification that like, oh shit, like, like uncle Eric died. And like, I've been summoned to like Citadel four to like do the key signing ritual. And they like show up, they don't know anybody, nobody else knows. And there's like another dude who's like, Hey, like, I'm like, I'm, I'm Francis kid. And it's like, Oh, Hey, I'm like Eric's kid. And it's like, all right. And then like the priest comes up, he's like, welcome with the love of Satoshi. Like, let us begin our ceremony. And like, you laugh, but like, people do this shit in, in, in Catholicism and all kinds of other religions. And we have such loaded viewpoints about them. So like, and I think one of the reasons why we talk incessantly about this religious thing is, is it feels almost sacrilegious, uh, like sinful in some way to engage in this dialogue and these ideas. Yeah. But it's just because it's loaded up with all of our own bullshit, you know? And I think it's interesting, like my, my mom made an off-key comment about something my son drew, drew that had about how uh, he like loves and values God. And she was raised in like a hardcore Catholic household. And so she was like very like nasty and pejorative to it. And I like, pulled her aside. And I was like, what the fuck, mom? Like, don't, don't ever, don't ever, you know, be pejorative towards God in my household. Like, that's not okay. I'm just like, organized religion. And I'm like, we were talking about that. We were talking about God, you know? Um, and I just think it's really important to, to understand all of this in the very human context that we've been brought to. And furthermore, I want to point out, fiatism is what destroyed our God. Like that, that's why God's dead is because of this whole viewpoint. And like, that was a sacred idea that belongs to each of us. And in the Gnostic tradition, I very much believe that we all have this inside of us. We just need a spark. And I think for a lot of us, that spark is Bitcoin. Um, and it's really profound and powerful and, uh, and substantial because I think there's so many people out there that are lost and wandering that have scum to the nihilism. And uh, I, I hope that they'll look at this and that this can allow for them the same sort of recovery. Because to me, the individual soul's recovery from that nihilistic viewpoint to this other one, like th this is the most incredible and important process that has ever happened in human history because of what is occurring and the changes that that'll, it will allow for all of society to have. Because once we're all on a Bitcoin standard and we know and understand what it is, it fundamentally shifts our entire viewpoint of society and that there's no longer this exploitionary characteristic that is inherent. You know, it, it really becomes one about creating consensualism with one another. Yeah. You know, I laugh because I know something to that effect is going to happen. Uh, I mean, it's inevitable, right? Because the things of the greatest meaning, and, and again, we've, we've gotten away from that in, in this day and age <clears throat> to our detriment. But I, I think it's inevitable that the things that are of the utmost meaning, they become ritualized or, or made sacred in some way, you know, because you want to well, I mean, first of all, because you're inspired to do that. I mean, if they really are truly meaningful, you want to celebrate them, right? And, and then you want to also remember them. You want to try to transmit their importance, you know, and, and this is where a lot of religions probably get led astray because perhaps in an altruistic attempt to 
maintain to to remember what is most meaningful and important it becomes dogmatic and rigid and authoritarian and all, all that jazz and then you get the institutions of religion that co-opt or corrupt the the ideas or the insights behind you know at the base of religion let's say and so like it'll be very interesting to see all these play out and and which rituals become uh you know appeal to people most and how they involve and change evolve and change but I'm sure it's going to happen. And, and this is, you know, I, I wrote a relatively kind of not silly, but not a very serious article at, around the time of the last having in 2020, where I was just starting to kind of pick up and investigate like what these changes that were occurring in people as a result of engaging with Bitcoin were all about. And I, you know, I think it, I mean, it's obviously happening really fast on any I mean, you compare that type of change to anything, either evolutionarily or even historically or culturally, like the turnarounds that people are having and the ways in which their minds are being expanded and the new, the, the, how new, how old topics are being refreshed and renewed and, and looked at uh, once again, you know, it's like, it's tremendous, you know? So to your point, like, what are we going to look like? Forget 40 years, like, 10 years, five years, you know, if, if we pursue this current track that we're on in such a way for five years, like, I don't know where it's going to end up, but we're going to be most likely, we're going to have a more refined understanding then than we have today. And the, the, and it's relevant because I think one of the reasons why we're pursuing that is because we realize the, the validity or veracity or realness of that refined perception. Like you made some comment about it a few minutes ago where it's like, it's how you feel. Like you feel full and satisfied and expansive and alive and energetic and grateful and hopeful and loving. Like all these things are being derived from a greater clarity around certain ideas and certain things. And so of course you're gonna wanna keep building you're going you're to keep going in the direction that satisfies or delivers that more and more and more and more and more and I, I think this is part of the result of the search for truth this is why truth love and god all you know seem to converge so often because you pursue either one of them enough and they all kind of collapse into the same thing and you know in our modern day and age as you were saying about how taboo religion has become like people poo poo it and think that it's like some stupid superstitious uh, vestige of the past or a pragmatic, uh, practical way to, you know, uh, shoulder the suffering of life. It's not real, but it's useful sort of thing. But I think we're coming to the appreciation that it's neither of those things. There's something really, really genuinely fundamental and valuable here. In fact, probably of the utmost value and the degree to which things guide us or take us closer to those things uh we, we 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 gravitate towards them and this is the case we've kind of been making with bitcoin and we do that because the closer you can get to that that thing that it that truth that love that god whatever it is it has a material impact on your experience of existence your experience of reality and it would seem that the more an individual does that, and then the more an individual amidst a collective does that, the better experience of reality or life those individuals and people have, right? And so 
and, and back to the, the point I've been sloppily trying to explore with you for most of this conversation so far is we've been talking about how, how our, like our value can kind of seems to move in the direction of the greater expanse of meaning. Like we seem to orient ourselves or place our focus or pursue the areas that grant us greater meaning, greater positive affect, let's say. And so, and, and this, and so the things that do that become elevated in our value hierarchy. And it's interesting, we talk about the role of, of technology and the expansion of, of consciousness, let's say, but it's really interesting to consider like, well, what is it when a technology uh, elevates or instantiates more than ever has been the case the values that have traditionally been at the very top of that hierarchy. So let's just say for the sake of this discussion, it's truth. And I actually think that's the case. Uh, to what degree is consciousness expanded when truth has been uh, what, I, I guess our, our shift toward orienting to that is attempting to, the value we ascribe to that is somehow related to the capacity for truth to deliver this sort of sense and feeling that, that we've been talking about. And so if it's actually the case that what Bitcoin represents is like a profound form or abs form of truth or an absolute truth, and the technology has allowed us to engage it in a completely novel way, then, then it would seem to be that all this value that's being ascribed to it is in some capacity or you know, something akin to um, the potential, the what the, the potential of, <laughs> fuck, what the, our reaction and our being pulled toward the expanded potential of truth and the capacity that Bitcoin has to reveal that. And so like we're, I'm fucking this way, I, up, I, as you can tell. I really appreciate what you're saying. And, and it reminds me a lot of that essay I sent you on Heidegger's The Question Concerning Technology. And it's interesting that you said there at the end what it reveals. Because uh, are you familiar with the word aliothea? No. Aliothea, it's a uh, it's a, a Latin term for, it's what they used for truth, but what it actually means is revealing or unveiling. And Heidegger's question concerning technology is all about how, like, what's the true essence of technology? And like, how do we unveil that to ourselves? Very fascinating essay. But in the very beginning of what he says is for us to truly understand the essence of technology and what it introduces to the human capacity, it leads through language in a way that is truly extraordinary. And then the following sentence, he says, and through this, we will be able to achieve a truly free relationship to technology. And a lot of the essay, he's talking about this idea that he calls inframing. Uh, Heidegger makes up like a lot of his own words just in order to, to allow for it to execute in his own philosophy much better. And so he's yeah. super fucking hard to read. But it was in very, framing, I, I read mo uh, 
30 or 70 percent of that um it was tough did, did you just be like what like what the fuck is this garbage <laughs> like it was like how is this nonsense well it's really interesting because this essay has actually become um like a pretty critical piece kind of in my whole metaphysics and you know what's really fucked up and weird is uh like i got this book way before um being involved in Bitcoin. My wife just had it like from an undergraduate class that she had. And I remember I picked it up and read it when I first got really interested into Bitcoin. Cause like, you know, all of this stuff came crashing into me and I was like, I got to figure this out. You know, like, like fucking Heidegger's a philosopher. He must be like pretty smart. And like, this is clearly a piece of technology. So like, let's read the question concerning technology to try to figure this out. And my first reading of it, I was like, what the, can't do anything with this. This is fucking nonsense. It's garbage. Like none of this shit makes any fucking sense. Uh, and, and in all honesty, it's, it's only after 10 years of, of reading really deep and hard philosophy and getting like a pretty good framework in Greek and Latin terminology that I can finally go back to Heidegger and read it and be like, wow, this is profound as opposed to like, this is nonsensical garbage. Uh, but so this idea of inframing is the way that we actually enter into relationships with technology that aren't free. They actually capture us and enslave us in some way. And I think where we're at in modernity, like we're we're in the deepest possible place that we can be with that in framing to where like it can actually capture all of humanity in a way that we could never escape from. And furthermore, one of the other deep ironies of this is that like, I actually think, and then he could, and so in framing is the way that we get captured by technology. And then he calls the turning is where we actually recognize this as essence of technology and we can like engage in it in a truly free relationship. And so in my opinion, crypto is actually in framing and Bitcoin is the turning. And like the, that's sort of the relationship to them because crypto is all this centralized garbage that's empowering the state, making it more powerful and is fundamentally different from all of the things that we want to do with Bitcoin. Whereas Bitcoin is a truly free relationship with technology where we enter into that relationship through first principles, utilizing asymmetric cryptography at its most base level. And so because of the way that we enter into that relationship with Bitcoin, the way it protects our wealth, the way that it's individualized, so that we're the only one that can utilize that in order to access our wealth. In my opinion, this makes it our first truly free relationship to technology insofar that by us engaging with this technology, we get radical, uh, the amount of power we have radically expands and it's subjectively allows for us a totality of choice that's very different from other forms of technology before it. Um, and including on that, this recognition of all of these things and the capacity to enter into this relationship like is the truly transcendental process of understanding that there is an ability to recover ourselves from nihilism and that there are things such as the permanence of truth, meaning, justice, and the ability to get closer to them which I think for a lot of people is a pretty novel concept right now. A hundred percent. And I, I want to ask you a, a follow-on question about that, but I think um, to just sum up what I've been trying to say, and it links into all this obviously, but what you just said made me maybe think about it in a more basic, if, if not more uh, detailed terms, but if all tech, and I, I, I agree with, you know, I, I think it's very fascinating that the, the point you just made, but if, if all tech fosters 
consciousness, expansion of consciousness, and therefore meaning. How much expansion does an absolute truth foster, right? Because you could say like, you know, there's all sorts of more or less uh, irrelevant, although it still expands the domain of meaning. But like if you, you know, some text just isn't that, doesn't foster that great of an expansion, but how much expansion does absolute truth foster? And if we kind of are, are if, the, if the idea of God and truth being almost interchangeable, if that's palatable, then how, again, how much expansion of our consciousness, of our, our, our potential world of meaning, should we expect in a tech that has this relationship to truth? I guess that's what I've somewhat of what I'm trying to be articulating. And I, I think the answer, even though I obviously cannot articulate it, is big, you know, and, and this is why we end up uh, in this territory with, the, with these conversations. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, maybe it, it, some of the greatest meaning that we are as yet capable of, of comprehending, it seems to be expanding that domain in particular rather than something more uh, mundane or something. But uh, I yeah. want to go back. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, I, you know, uh, I, I don't think it's just big. Like, I, I think it truly is infinite because I think the way it expands consciousness when, like, you truly get the potentiality here, it opens us to a, a world that not only was impossible before, but, but is truly infinite, you know, in terms uh, of these ideas of, of world peace uh, of potentiality like all openings get opened and it becomes so expansive that it renews the totality of what it means to be human from the segmented and closed off world that statism has given us and its rules and regulations and rigidity this disposes of that and it opens humanity up to, to a totally different new and wild and crazy possibility it's like including stuff like transhumanism and all this other weird shit that i'm not sure about yeah so what do you do with that you know i'll, I'll recount a funny well th this happens a lot lately but uh i think one of the the outcomes of this transformation or this being affected in such a way because you're seeing things with a renewed or expanded perspective, like, as we said before, I think like everything kind of need, and, and you know that you've been living in a, a sea of lies, right? In a sea of deceit and, and yeah, where you can't really, you know, you've been told a lot of things and you've been conditioned in, in a lot of ways, but now that you, you know, you've kind of stepped out of the cave, you realize a lot of it was lies. So you do need to look at everything again with this fresher perspective to try to reorient yourself and ground yourself in a greater sense of truth than ever before. And so that, that's partially responsible for this, you know, interest and this renewed inquiry in such a broad array of things. But like I was walking, I think it was this morning or it might've been last night, I was walking on the beach and I was just like, Man, I need to start studying physics. Like, I don't know enough about that stuff. I need to, and not because I feel an obligation to know, but because I, you know, all these fundamental, you know, concepts that constitute our, you know, our experience of reality are, that's a, one of the domains for 
better understanding how that all works. And if you're trying to achieve like an integrated perspective grounded in, you know, the greatest form of truth that you can, then you, you can't really leave something like that off the table. At least, you know, that, that was my, it seems to be the impulse behind having had that thought in that time. And like, don't get me wrong. I, I didn't go home and buy all like, you know, the books or get online and, and dig into all these, um, physics courses. But I think the reason why I make the point is just be, when I was in high school, I hated physics. I was like, you know, I, I can't stand this um, because it was complex and I didn't get it and everything. But because those concepts have a new relevance for me, like I want to understand how, you know, how all of these things work more so than I did then, because all that has more meaning for me now, my desire to expand into it right to learn about it has come to the surface and i i think that's happening for a lot of people in a lot of different domains so my question to you was like seems like something like that is is occurring as well but like what do you do with that you know i guess this, this is kind of the 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 question of like not how do you not burn yourself with this but you mentioned a few minutes ago like some maybe some people getting like burnout a little bit when you're when you touch something like this or when you're a part yeah, of a yeah. process like this, like how do you rein it in so that you, you channel it and engage it properly, I guess is the question. I mean, that's a great question. I've been at this for 10 years and I'm, I'm not sure if I do have an answer, you know, in terms <laughs> like I, well, and I think that this is part of that whole transcendental process again, is that like, it, it's about what moves and inspires, uh, you know, the, 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 the Greek word for, for creativity and production is this word poistus, but, but what's really important is that it has this really deep and powerful relationship to, to our creativity and like how we can gather things together and then produce things. And uh, I think for most of us that, that this itching, this question, you know, like I, I think about uh, Morpheus's phrase, you know, like you, you, you've always known something was wrong with this reality like a splinter in your mind like it just sits there and mocks you and you know and like you have to get it out well like the this is part of that process you know and like uh yeah I, I love that we get to like orange pe orange pill people like this and being like yeah you're right there's something wrong with the world it's horrifically wrong and we can tell you all about how it's wrong and how you can change it but like you have to do that work. You have to make that choice. And it's not going to be easy, you know? And uh, I, I think it's funny, we've talked about this before, that like, you know, you take the orange pill and you're like, yeah, I'm going to be rich. And you like wake up in a spaceship, like eating gruel. And you're like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, this isn't what I signed up for. Um, and that's really important because like, that is part of the process. As we come in for number go up, you start buying Bitcoin, you read about all this shit and you start realizing like, oh, like I... I didn't just like join this thing to like make a bunch of money. Like it turns out that like I've, I've joined some revolutionary vanguard to like change the global monetary system. Like that wasn't really the first plan of action. Um, and I do think some people kind of, you know, might pull away from that. But I think honestly, most people see it and it's like this really exciting thing, you know, like, and, and I think like the purpose and glory here, like that's what connects us to this infinity that has us want to keep pushing. You know, I'm like, I, uh, I, I probably think about this several times every day, but just like the, the position that you and I and others that we know occupy and like how special this is in the concourse of human history. You know, it, it, to me, it feels like 
getting to be like one of the founding fathers and like it's it's really profound and badass because like even if this all blows up and melts down like it's uh it's still phenomenal like are you familiar with uh there's a great quote from teddy roosevelt citizenship in the republic about the man in the arena and like his struggle yeah like i fucking love that quote because uh you know near the end of it he says you know like it it's better to have gone into that arena and struggled valiantly and failed than to like know the timid cold of those who never try. And to me, like, this is what's so important is like, think of how fucked up fiat money is and all of the crazy bullshit it's engaged. And like, we got a shot to change it. And I mean, like it, it feels like walking into the dragon's den and like having, you know, the three headed crazy thing come up to eat us. But it also feels badass to like look to your right and left and find others who are like fucking shields up, bro. You know? <laughs> and uh yeah, and and in all honesty, like this five, 10, 20 year thing, like I do think that this all plays out to like th- this truly astrological conflict where like I tell Ashley about these like crazy fantasies I have. Like I and I really want to find somebody to write a graphic novel with because you know, like I was just we got it. high and I was telling her Heck about yeah. some of my crazy Cause like, I just wanted to like get super insane at the end. So I was telling her like, oh yeah, at the end, like we're engaging in this like space war with this like Borg like apparatus that's like absorbed most of humanity. And like now it needs to like destroy all Bitcoiners. <laughs> but like, because we're already in space and have our satellites they like can't take out the networks. And like in the conclusion, eventually like we like fling tungsten bars down onto planet earth, like disable all of their like nuclear energy capacities. and. And at this point, like the global collective that like is the Bitcoin network takes upon itself for the protection of humanity. Uh, you need, you need to like, find, surely there's like an illustrator listening to this or out there in Twitter land that if you want to, you're saying like you want to write it and get someone to illustrate it, that kind of thing. Yeah. And like to participate, because like the, one of the other things that, that I want to do with it is just like sit down with you and sit down with Francis and Gigi and like everybody else and just like talk about it and get their ideas and like integrate and like i just want to make it this really fun and insane thing because like i just want to touch across all you know like the religious rituals that i want to create like the potentialities for all these other things uh and, and part of why i bring this up is that like the infinity that is the human creativity that comes from the inspiration that the sets when it, it encounters truth you know because uh it What's so important is that, um, like, if we think about these classic pieces of art that were created that were so profound and astounding and magical, we really need to connect back to the idea of that there was no aesthetics of art in the ancient Greek or Roman societies. That didn't exist. These were actual practices that people did to get closer to the gods themselves, to try to reveal truth itself. The importance of this goes to show that art, more than anything else, is what can produce truth because of the profound statements that they are. And to me, this is one of the reasons why what the time chain of Bitcoin is so profound and astounding is it is this presentation of the ongoing evolution of Satoshi's art, where he gathered together these extremely important pieces of cryptography, uh, you know, and database structuring and timestamps in order to produce this piece of truth that's so radical in our world, not only does it become the most valuable economic object that's ever been created, but from the observations of folks like you and I, it seems like it, it's 
the most val valuable spiritual object that's been created at this point in time because of the way that it forces us to contemplate what truth is about and how that contemplation reflects on us. And I think as more and more people come to do this, as our beings encounter this form of truth, we come to the same recognitions that others have. We recognize this uh, conversion for them, this recognition for them, and that that starts building this thing together. Then in my opinion, once it accrues a certain uh, amount of power, it moves itself beyond the event horizon where it forces the totality of its cause to start present itself, which is fundamentally the defeat of fiat money and the astrological process that is engaged with that. Because to be clear, destroying fiat money, like that amortizes the eschaton more than anything else, with the eschaton being the unveiling for how the apocalypse presents itself. Yeah, I think that's a good place to leave it for this session. Um, yeah. And we'll pick it back up. But I just, I want to piggyback on that one final point you were making, you know, because I've had, I'm sure you have as well, but, you know, every now and then, well, we all share the, um, the sense, we all share, we all have the thoughts at some point, like, am I crazy? Right? Like, am I going crazy? Am I just crazy about this thing? Am, am, am I overdoing it? You know, whatever. And I think, like we said, like right at the beginning about how there's this, this culture and environment where there's an allowance and acceptance of that because of the recognition of how important it is to discover truth, right? And if you just think like, if you're exploring any concept or idea or truth outside of the, uh, the previously affirmed or confirmed base of knowledge, let's say, even, even if we're not refining or, or restricting ourselves to like mainstream narratives, but just like kind of known corpus of knowledge, if you're pursuing things and experience outside of, of that, then you're on the fringes, you know? And so on the fringes, you're going to feel like you're on the fringes because the thing that you're potentially exploring for potential meaning, potential truth, potential usefulness is not going to have the padding or the like the context of all the other stuff that's come before it, that's allowed it to be properly integrated into your psyche and into the culture, into the, into the society, all that kind of stuff. So by, you know, by vert, it's always the case that when new novel things are being explored and particularly such things that are like deeply meaningful or deeply, uh, relevant or deep or have grand implications then you necessarily lack the context and and the the feelers and the stability to allow yourself to feel the same degree of stability that you would feel in the domain of the complete already known right and so um what i wanted to ask you and i, I think we've maybe already covered it but i'll ask you one more time just just in case like when those feelings, you know, or thoughts crop up where you wonder if things are like you're being less objective or less critical or less clear thinking than you might or ought to be. How do you frame what's happening to you and in you in order to ground yourself in truth to the extent possible? 
Um, you know, like I, I, I think a lot of that is a, a really subjective and personal process because like, uh, like going crazy is fucking hard. Um, and like, just on that note, like, uh, you know, like when, when I got into it, like there, there wasn't any content, there was no other fucking crazy Bitcoin people. <laughs> you know, like it was, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> um like i feel really lucky like i showed up at coinbase and pretty quickly i found other people you know and like uh, my best friend today who, who i love so dearly like we we met at coinbase he was part of their security team and it was really funny because like i i think it was literally like hello i'm eric Kaysen. like i'm here to like tell you about bitcoin and how great it is like i have my own kind of crazy perspectives on it and he was like oh yeah like i'm really interested in the philosophy of bitcoin and he was like have you heard of this individual like Carl Schmidt? He's like a, a, a German philosopher. He's wrote a lot about sovereignty. And it was, it was hilarious because like, you know, nobody's ever asked me about Carl Schmidt. Nonetheless, like I'm a scholar in him. So I was just like, yeah, actually, like I've, I've read all of Carl Schmidt's work. Like I'm pretty informed about it. And he was like, right. On, and like, you know, from there just, and just been going ever since. And he's like my burning man buddy and, and what we do. Um, and so to answer your question, I think one part is, is finding other people that, that you can connect with and empathize with. Uh, I think the second is, is that there is no way to exit the box of society without seeming crazy. Like they're, they're, it, that's why it's a box and that's why like you, you seem crazy when you start to leave it. And I think the other one is, is ask yourself what's really crazy, magic internet money or the state of the world, yeah. you know, and uh and again, these put us up against some really, really hard stuff. And I, I want to empathize at how difficult it is to come to terms with a lot of the things. Um, and I hope that you'll have the courage to move through it because I, I think one of the things that like, you know, all of this goodness we get from Bitcoin, and I do want to emphasize the fact of that, like, it's also unknown as well. And, and it's unknown in a really positive way that includes what I would call the mystery, but that's really threatening. And I think that that's why a lot of people uh, choose the authoritarian route because uh, shit stinks, but it's warm. And they've been told that that's safe and it feels safe to them, you know? And so like, this is why, and it goes to show how powerful this process of propaganda is. Like people, people are getting their fourth, fifth in, injections of this stuff. And, and um, I feel like I, I'm like shitting and bashing on all the back stuff so much. And I just want to go back and say, look, like whatever your opinions are, whatever you want to do with your body, like that's your own business. And I want to honor that first and foremost before anything else. Uh, but we really need to consider what it means that maybe these powers aren't telling us the truth, that maybe all these ideas of safety they gave us aren't true. Um, and for me, like one of the things that I really got with like my own transcendentalness of Bitcoin was a sense of security and safety that's beyond anything I've felt before. Because because of who I am and the activities I've engaged with in my life and how I present myself, like I have a very deep existential fear that like I'm just going to get fucking blackbacked at one point in time. Uh, and so, you know, and that includes prior things I was doing from before Bitcoin. Uh, and so knowing that like, if I am black bagged, that like there are methods to recover my Bitcoin and protect and help my family, that's allowed for me to engage in Bitcoin in a very different way. And I also think in the future politically as well, because like, um, not to like scare you or anything, but like, I, I honestly think like most of us early Bitcoiners and, and to say this with a religious garb, like 
I totally think we're going to fucking die for our cause. And I'm like, I, I think it's almost <laughs> inevitable. Like, I don't think we really have a choice in it. Um, Cause like, I also think that like right now we're still in this phase where uh, like the state doesn't understand what's going on. In addition to like all this crypto noise is like the greatest thing ever because they're, they're letting Bitcoin into the state and they don't understand how dangerous it is. Uh, and I think like when that moment comes, which I think is going to be like some combination of having hyperinflation, a terrorist attack facilitated by Bitcoin along with a couple other things, like they're absolutely going to flip the fuck out. And like, I honestly think it's going to be like anyone who holds Bitcoin is a criminal. Like we're sending, you know, fucking SWAT teams into your house to get you and your private keys, you know, like we'll do enhanced interrogation tactics to like get that Bitcoin from you. Cause like we must stop the hyperinflation and we have to take all the Bitcoin from the Bitcoiners, you know? And I think what's going to be really interesting is that who knows who it'll be, but like that, you know, Somebody's going to lock and load and be like, all right, everybody on me, like civil war starts now. Um, and again, I really hope I, none of this happens. I hope yeah, we integrate sure. with the state that like, it, you know, we, we figure out a, a nonviolent and peaceful resolution to all of this. I, From being a historian, I just don't have a reference where the state came up against stuff like this. And they were like, hey, guys, like they got better technology and stuff than us. So like pack it up and go home like no war today. I just, I don't have reference points for that happening with the state. I know, but, and totally um, <clears throat> rational perspective to have. Call me naive, right? I think maybe I'm just an eternal optimist or something like that. And maybe part of that is because we've never had something like this before with these qualities. And maybe, you know, maybe it has the power to uh, deal with those forces that you just articulated in a way that previously hasn't been dealt with. You know, that's my hope that things don't get the way that you just described and that things will surprise us on, to the upside, let's say, in terms of how, how things shake out and how things transition. But, you know, to the, to the final, my final comment on, you know, wondering if you're crazy sort of thing. Um, and, you know, I've, I've been kind of on the fringe for most of my life. So I, I have a fairly strong sense of like, you know, I, I, I don't, I've never really- You're, you're been a black sheep and you never really expected to be a white sheep. Right, exactly. And I, I've, so I've, I've, I've been comfortable, like, I guess on the fridge, fringe for most of my life. But I did read when I was, I think I was 20, something like that, like just after high school, um, uh, a lot of Krishnamurti his uh, philosophical books and stuff like that, Jiddu Krishnamurti. And one of his uh, quotes, which I, you know, I think I've mentioned several times on the pod before, but um, is that, and which I used as a kind of a mantra. There was, there was two things that like, you know, when, when I did start, not, I never doubted myself, but when I started to feel the pressure of being an outsider, let's say, uh, there was two things that I would remind myself. And one was, you know, a mantra that I conjured up myself, which was, I'd rather be tormented by the truth than coddled by ignorance. And the other one was uh, a Krishnamurti quote. And, you know, he would always say that it's no measure of health to be well adjusted to a profoundly sick society. And like, I mm -hmm. very much agreed with that. I mean, I, I kind of thought like, if I did feel like I was normal, that would be the biggest warning sign, because I look out and do my best to see with clarity what's going on. And I see a lot of problems, a lot of beauty too, right? Like love breaks through and beauty breaks through and truth breaks through and the smile on a 
a child's face and the joy of, you know, reuniting with a partner and a, a beautiful landscape. Like I'm not trying to characterize the world as having been all dark, but as far as culture and society is concerned, there were a lot of forces at play uh, that I thought were constructing and construing a society that was to use his, you know, terminology profoundly sick. And it, the bigger concern for me would have been if I felt comfortable and normal amidst all this stuff. Like, and, and so that, that's really the tension. It's like you're in a day-to-day -day basis, you're being forced to act as though everything is normal and fine, right? To get by and to go to work and to go to school and to interact socially. But then in the back of your mind, you know how many things are fairly dire or, you know, to be, to, to put it way too lightly, need to be improved. And so the tension of like operating in those two worlds, you know, that, that it kind of is kind of invokes the imagery of the, the, the hero's journey again, right? Like you're having to, you know, walk gingerly on the fringe of things so that you don't fall off one way or the other. And you keep pursuing, you know, the truth that you keep being oriented by your pursuit of truth, I guess. And, um, you know, in terms of how awesome it feels, which we, you know, we've been discussing throughout this conversation, it's like to have stumbled on you know sometimes I, I use this analogy recently on, on twitter with someone but like because <clears throat> someone was saying that they were feeling a bit down lately and i was like dude you, i mean i i get you right because world you know the world over the last two years is as crazy as it's ever been if not the most crazy um but whereas you know 13 years ago we had nothing to com combat that now we have you know the sword of truth in bitcoin to actually confront you know, the dragon with, you know, it's, it's a time to be as optimistic as ever and as dedicated to the, to using that as ever as yeah, as ever. And so um, to have found that sword, that tool, and to have, you know, uh, found the other people that are, had been on a similar journey for either a very long time or a very short time, but nonetheless found their way to that, a very similar path is one of the most gratifying, th I mean, it's the most probably gratifying thing, you know, I've ever experienced, you know, and uh, it's, it, it's amazing. But what I love about it too, is it also comes with a, 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 a certain sense of obligation that, you know, like you, yes. you want to, I don't feel an obligation to like educate or anything like with this podcast or anything, but an obligation to, um, be truthful to that pursuit, right? Like pursue that journey and walk that path with integrity and continue being oriented uh, by the truth and continue trying to refine what the perception or your perception of, of that thing that, that's orienting you is. You know, that's what I feel the most obligation to be, or obligation to rather. Well, I feel I feel like uh, our relationships with each other inspire that, and that's what has us yeah. reach beyond ourselves. And, and like with this sort of truth, like um, it's really interesting to like think about the conceptualization of like dying for something, and uh, it's very difficult because you know we we don't want to die. That's not something that is, is on our schedule, but sincerely the idea of you know somehow you get caught in a situation where you know like you need to die for bitcoin uh like again it sucks to die uh but if i was to like die in this context like i have to admit like on the way to the gallows or whatever i would feel pretty fucking satisfied um 
Well, and because like I'm not not laughing at you, obviously. we've just reduced at the death. Absurdity of yeah, it. yeah, because it seems absurd. But like we've reduced death to this absolute callous and disgusting pursuit of protecting our life at all costs beyond anything. And we now have a society that has decided to sacrifice the use in order to give the old a few more years of life. It's horrific. It's wrong. Uh, it's extremely destructive to to what our society is. And truth is, you know, we don't need to participate in it anymore. And we have a, a method and way to resist it and to fight back. And again, we're at the very first chapter of all this stuff going down. And I think, again, when I think it all down, goes down, I think, you know, some of us are going to get destroyed. And uh, as fucked up as it is, I think that activates something really powerful because like they destroy us and our money goes off and, you know, bonds with other people and, you know, acts as a ghost to rectify us. That's going to be a very, very powerful event in human history that speaks to the power that is Bitcoin. Uh, and like a lot of us are here and participating in it and it's fucking incredible. And even though I talk about all this dark stuff, like on a personal level with other people and Bitcoiners and where we're at, like, fuck man like it is so much more beautiful and profound and special than i ever thought and like the fact that like i get like i love these people and i love getting to party with them and have conversations and go deep and share uh and we all got vibes of that in miami and we're going to get a lot more of this next year and the year after and uh you know to, to go against Sabao's thing that there is no bitcoin community which i agree with to some extent all of us could be included but with that being said, they, there is a communal aspect here that we share in, in the glory of what we're trying to create and pursue together. And like it truly is profound and spiritual and great and all of this warm, fuzzy shit. Uh, and it's, 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 it's extraordinary. I could have never imagined a life for myself that was this rewarding and profound and deep and uh, lightful and special, particularly in this world. Uh, and then like, and then the extra cherry on top is like, I sincerely believe that we're helping amortize the eschaton and bringing this technology to liberate the entire world from the fucking antichrist that seems to be occupying all spaces of power. Like it's, I pinch myself every day and go, how the fuck could God love me so much? Like me, like retarded me with all of my fucked upness and, and, you know, like, uh, I'm a really anxious person. And I also have like pretty low self-esteem. So, so, and I'm getting a lot better because like I have all these feelings and I just think to myself, how is it possible God could love me this much that he could have allowed me to, to discover this thing, to understand it, to choose it, to integrate it in my life. And, and then like for all that, like then he makes me, you know, gives me more wealth than I ever thought that I would have. You know, I was always just a poor working guy. I thought I was going to be scraping by my entire life you know uh and not that like it's profound amounts of money but it's more than i had before and it's more than anything i thought i would have and that it allows me to live a life that i'm not in the machine doing shit i hate crushing my own soul and then i have this power and beauty and capacity to create and have other people give it to me like i i don't know what to say about it it's so profound and it's such a gift that like i that same obligation you spoke of I, I sincerely feel like I don't have any choice. Like I have to do this as a, uh, not only as an obligation of my God, but to try to honor in some pathetic and impitment of a way of how he has rewarded me, you know? And I think others feel that. And it's all fucking crazy to talk about in this context, but here we are. 
and it's beautiful yeah. and and i feel powerful and proud and and it's exciting to share and i hope other people hear this and they hear it as well and i want them to know come participate like offer bitcoin whatever special perspective you have because i guarantee you have it and you have an ability to impact and influence other people in the same way that you and i are so i hope that other people hear this and take it seriously and really think profoundly about what is it that we're going to do here as human beings with our limited time on this earth before we die? Because for me, it's I, I want to make it so that fiat money has ended so that all people everywhere have the true potential to be free and to make those choices for themselves. Amen, brother. Amen. And I will actually put a pin in it now, despite the fact that I want to go on a bit. But one <laughs> of the things... One of the things I do want to go on with is, you know, you mentioned, uh, let's say your, you know, your personal idi idiosyncrasies, right? Like low self-esteem or, uh, you know, other traits we pick up as we go through life to, you know, make, make it easier to go through life, you know, and, and maybe uh, we all have blind spots, biases, unresolved issues that, you know, oftentimes maybe they get repressed because, you know, who wants to dig up that kind of shit, or maybe they're being slowly worked on. And, you know, one of the ideas or phenomenons or senses that's been coming to me recently is, you know, there's this, I, you know, you've, you've heard this idea before that love conquers all, right. And, you know, you hear it in love songs and pop songs, in, in religious scripture, and you're just like, yeah, I mean, it's, I've heard it so many times, I just accept it. But you never, like, I, I guess I'd never really tried to investigate what that means. I'm like, this is coming from someone who, you know, this is probably going to require far more explanation than, than I can, can or should do on a sign off. But like, I don't know how to articulate the rationale behind the forthcoming statement, but it seems to me like existence or reality is somehow constructed via love, via union, something like that, you know? And if you've had mystical experiences or, or certain use psychedelics in certain ways or any of a number of other practices, you know, this is not an uncommon assertion, right? So I'm saying this from the perspective of someone who kind of thinks that way, but still has never really spent much time thinking about a statement like love conquers all. And as we said a little bit earlier, like love and truth are so often used interchangeably. And maybe that's because like, if you follow the truth path far enough, that's where you wind up, you know, tr truth is like the pathway or the highway to the ultimate, you know? So, uh, but to bring myself back to the original point is when we encounter these things, you know, these things that bother us internally, these imperfections that we might perceive about ourselves. And, you know, we all have them, right? You hang on to them and some are, some are easy to, or some get resolved through the course of time and effort and others seem far more difficult to resolve. And maybe they become cemented as almost parts of ourselves that seem difficult to transcend or something. And lately, and th these won't be well-formed thoughts, like much of the stuff I've tried to say today, but, uh, you know, the, 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 I'm starting to think more about that idea of love being able to, being a grander and greater and more powerful force than the force of those things that might be holding you down or back or under or in pain or something like that. And, um, you know, I'm, I feel like 
I'm at least partially being brought to these considerations again through this uh, thing that is Bitcoin, you know, and that's in incredibly bizarre. Uh, but as you know, as we've been discussing uh, at this point, not entirely unexpected, but maybe next time uh, we can dig in to that a little bit and I can get your thoughts on if you've, if you've spent any time thinking about something similar. Yeah, I think I have. And I think that would be, uh, I think that would be a pretty interesting place to maybe start next time is maybe talk about uh, like some of the, the personal impacts that it's had on us. Cause, cause I'd really like to go into talking about uh, to me, one of the things is extricating yourself from this system and taking wealth into your own hands. I feel like it's such a defining and personal feature about this praxis of self-respect and through engaging in it, it starts forcing an ontological process. Cause like, I truly believe that, that holding Bitcoin in the way that you and I understand to hold it is the very first of an entire new ethics of self-care and that ethics of self-care as it produces itself as an actual literate can be witnessed, like it transforms itself into a religious thing because of the true ethics that were demanding to be proven and verified through cryptography. And that, and that, that process reflects on us, you know, and, and just a quick note was like the messianic Bitcoin piece that a lot of people know. Now I felt really, really nervous about publishing that because I felt really crazy. And it was just from, engaging with my friend Jesse and, and with Joe Rogers from Bitcoin Magazine that, uh, you know, they really encouraged it and pushed me to do it. And I think that's important because that's the other aspect here is that as our beings come to recognize what Bitcoin is and we're interacting with other beings who recognize that as well, our interactions are going to encourage each other in a loving way that's going to help us expand and strive towards that betterment. And ultimately, like, I, I truly believe that this is love in the agape sense, because it is allowing for us, again, to engage in a relationship with infinity, because it's asking for us to go above and beyond anybody who we expected to be before, and anything we would have expected of ourselves before. And like, it, and it, I want to do that. I want to strive for that. And I want to, to have that ability, not just for the recognition, but for how it leaves me feeling. And I think that that's what we're all discovering together right now. And like, that's going to become this really big and powerful tumultuous thing all the way up until, you know, <laughs> I think we find ourselves in, you know, at a coordinated point in time in front of all of the Federal Reserve saying your power ends today <laughs> and we'll have the, you know, and we'll have the conviction with each other to do that. Um, maybe I'm crazy, but I sure as hell like being crazy better than being in the box. Yeah, we're both a little crazy, but, you know, somebody's got to do it. Yeah.